Clint, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. Let the nuts hang. Let the fly, man. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Whatever a 50-year-old white man's out here doing a gritty that night, you know? Whatever. We'll but no, I'm saying, the lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't it's worry. Dabo doing the gritty. I say right foot creep. Cheers, boys. Hey, she got to go down to the lake in our neighborhood and hang out, meet some new kids. So um, hopefully she won't be up in the house all day on the iPad. <laughs> there, there you go. go. There you go. And hopefully she's not a Spartan fan, Nittany Lion fan, Kentucky fan, <laughs> Gator fan. Hopefully she's not <laughs> as any of those. Oh, she's a, she's a Spartan fan. Oh, that's right. That that's yeah. family. That, that's family place. <laughs> Field of twelve after dark. I'm I'm all set now. Field of twelve after dark. You can catch us on the Sirius XM app, uh, and you can get all your merch. Field of sixty eight dot shop and get all the merch. All kind of stuff is dropping right now. Just like some of these big heavyweights are kind of dropping as well. We're gonna start with Michigan, Michigan State backyard brawl. Uh, for the state title game right there in the state of Michigan. Wolverines, honestly, it didn't seem like this game had too much drama. We were kind of talking amongst ourselves about how Michigan could use opportunities like this to prepare themselves for what's coming. Passing game a little bit, stretching a little bit. Hack, what did you take away watching these two go back and forth? And, you know, I give Michigan State credit. They did battle to an extent, but really the game was over as soon as, you know, it was put down on paper um, schedule wise. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I really do think Michigan state battled um, for a Michigan team that had been pretty much steamrolling everyone uh, early and often with the exception of Indiana that kind of took them to halftime and it was, you know, eh, eh, but then they pulled away relatively quickly in the third quarter. I think Michigan State's done a damn good job battling, even even now up until the last last few seconds here, last few minutes. Um, to me, this Michigan team showed a little bit of a propensity to put JJ in some positions where he needs to throw the football. I thought he answered the bell. I thought he threw it well today, and he is throwing it well. Um, it's just I still haven't seen it, and you you kind of hinted at it. I, I haven't seen this team have to put a game in JJ McCarthy's hands yet. Right. And at some point in time, if they want to do in my at least in my opinion, if they want to win a national championship at Michigan, he needs to be able to win a game in that manner. And they need to be able to support him, not only from a personnel standpoint, but also from a uh, play calling perspective, something we were talking about before we got here as well. When you got a young quarterback, how do we put him in really good situations to to simplify things to ultimately get him? and lead him to water at times with some of these reads against different looks and different timing of the game and different feels of the game. So you have to almost lead him to water at times. And they haven't really gotten a ton of reps at doing that. Um, so it is going to be trial by fire when, when that opportunity does arise. So that's kind of what I've taken away from this. I think it was, he fought today. He made some great throws, some, 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 some more mature throws. Um, down the field, but I think that ultimately, um, you know, I still have a lot of questions from that standpoint with Michigan. Uh, Felder, so 
that is the vibe. Hack and I were going over that. And it's not like it's just the two of us. But when you watch Michigan, I don't want to quite say they're one dimensional. They are one heavy leaning. But honestly, so was Georgia last year. I just think the difference, you can do that when you have a once in a generation something else. Defense, um, your special teams are elite, elite, elite. Georgia, they eviscerated everyone defensively. And their quarterback never did. He never got in a shootout until they got in the national championship and he still had plenty of help. Is this viable once they have to take this national for Michigan, this, this, um, this approach. So I, I don't think it is. And I think the interesting element here for me, I, I've thought a lot, I've, I've tussled with this for a long time, putting together this theory, putting together this idea. And I, I, I think I probably started doing this good grief. I've been, I'm showing my age now. I've been, do, I've been, I've been doing this for over a decade. Right. And it used to be defense wins championships, offense puts butts in seats. Then it was we need an elite offense. But what I'm realizing is it's not just about offense, defense. What it is is about your team's desire and ability to score. The threshold is 24 or it's 40. Are you a team that wants to win by scoring 24, which means you usually have a very good defense? And heck, we can talk about Penn State with that in a little bit. But if you want to win by scoring 24, which Alabama, Georgia, that's what they want. Or do you want to win by, because you score 40, which we'll get to Tennessee, we'll get to Ohio State. And I think that's the difference here. And then the question becomes, if you want to score 24, can you still get the 40 when you have to? Mm. And that's the question that I have for Michigan, is can they still get the 40 when they have to? Can they play that 49 to 49 through – 58 minutes with Tennessee and then ultimately come out on top because that's what Alabama did. And they weren't able to come out on top because Tennessee said, Hey man, guess what? Three more, three more points. Ain't nothing to us, dog. We love scoring. That's what we want to do. We want to score 40 every game. And that's the difference for me. Um, I think that's why I'm very interested in seeing what Ole Miss does when they play Alabama. And I think that's going to be very interesting when, when when Brian Kelly takes that show when when he when him and LSU go to play that's Alabama true. in a week, because we'll see what that looks like. Is he a guy that it, he wants to score that forty, or does he not want to score that forty? Because that's what it takes. That's the part I, I look at a lot of football through this lens, and, and obviously, I, honestly, I look at it through this lens of Nick Saban. Nick Saban didn't decide that he needed a team that could score forty until. Started with starts with what? It starts with 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 the Jefferson kid at LSU, who's able to make him look silly because of the the, the misdirection in the running. But then it goes to Johnny Manziel. Steven Garcia is a part of that mix as well because they had Alshon Jeffrey catching the ball up over his head, and then they, you throw in um, what was his name, the kid that transferred from Clemson to Ole Miss, and they had Laquan Treadwell, and those Chad, guys are scoring. Chad yeah, Kelly. Chad, Chad Kelly and those guys want to score points. And, and then that old miss score, score, score some more under Hugh Freeze. They gave him problems and he needed two defensive touchdowns to win that game. But and let they, me ask you this. I'm just going to go right off of that point. Hack that the point crystallizes everything immediately. When Felder was talking about that, you're either a 24 point great defensive team or mm-hmm. meet us at 40. It's almost like how basketball is played. Right. Most of the NBA is well, that's, outside hang on, the arc. 
I don't mean to cut you, but here's, here's what I'm saying. I went to UNC. Roy Williams. Roy Williams' entire idea of basketball, which was crazy. Like, and it, it was, as a defensive guy, it was frustrating to me. Because I was like, just buckle down and play defense. But his idea was the more possessions we have in a game, the more we're going to win because we're going to score more than they score because we have better players. And that's what we're seeing here. And it includes scheme because Tennessee, if Tennessee can flip those possessions per game, they're going to score more, right? But that, but that's a big, but end. That, but hack, the, the question that, I want you to go ahead, hack, go. Yeah, no, but I was going to say, and that's, that's the point is I think, I think this Michigan team is kind of reverse engineering this whole uh, evolution in college football yeah. where it's, Slow it's it down. to your point, sp- speed, 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 score, score, score. Yeah. How can I match up? They're they're going out and getting freaking Titans up front. They've got a really, really good Absolutely. backfield. They're playing great defense, and they're saying, hey, we're going to slow this down. Y'all are going to get this bitch between the fucking B-gaps 40 times a game, yep. and we're really good at it, and we're going to execute it. And they're they're going back to the foundation fundamentals of football, which I which I love, and I think that Same. I the, the the only thing that I the only the only argument I would make about whether they're a team that can score twenty four or a team that scores forty is that when they're it, the problem is, is they have to have a lot of things go their way, but if they can control the game from that standpoint yes. offensively and then defensively play to the level that they're capable of because this defense is playing very well. We talked about their defense last year being a really good defense. This defense is actually statistically ahead of where that defense was at the same point in time last year. So when you're talking, looking at Michigan, like they're just kind of throwing it back. Like I think their offense, if they, if they get it going, can score 40 whenever they want, but they're, they're not necessarily looking at it from a points and, 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 and number standpoint. They're looking at it as how do we control the entirety of the game and slow it down and play at our pace. Possessions. It's in concert. It's also right. in concert. Today, the Wolves, so Michigan had 436 total yards, right? Threw for 167, ran for 269, getting five mm-hmm. and a half per clip. That helps your defense. I'm watching mm-hmm. that game. They're bringing three, four, five, like guys are coming from all over the place. They're fresh, they're in constant attack mode. Another thing there, when you're watching that game, Felder, Hack, and Hack, you and I have talked about this multiple times, mm-hmm. the Michigan offensive line, just as a core unit, not offense, I'm just talking O-line, it might be the best core unit in the country. And and you can look at Georgia's front four, front five, and Alabama's front four or five is maybe two or three. Ohio State's up there. There's a pancake every play when you watch Michigan. And these dudes are still grinding backers into the into the earth, and they'll help them up. But there is a swag about playing O line at Michigan. They're grinding you. My question: Do they have quick strike ability? They get their work done in 10, 12, 15 play drives. It's hard hat lunch pail. We'll meet you at the other end unless they spring one of these runs. But it's coming down tracks. It's not usually coming through the air. If they fall behind, if Tennessee falls down by two touchdowns, buckle up because they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're still not out. Ohio State, right. same. Bryce Young, same. Michigan, though, even though they're playing like real complimentary, you know, orchestrated football, they have to control the game from their standpoint. If they can uh, dictate the terms, they could play with anybody. Should they get down early? It'll be interesting to see. Michigan knocks out Michigan State today, 29-27. Once again, 
outgaining Michigan State 436 to 255. Another big rush, rushing uh, game for Michigan. Just rushing today. Michigan 269. The Spartans 37. Imagine that big blowout. Field of 12 after dark. Uh, Christian Hackenberg, Michael Felder, George Whitfield, thank you for joining us. You can again find us on Sirius XM app. Uh, if you've been with us, it's time for a toast. This is your first time rolling with us. Grab something to sip. We're going to go over our favorite player thing or team. Uh, Michael Felder, you ready to roll with the first one? Yeah, I'm going to go with the first one. Listen, on the field for me, um, I, I I I have to, uh, from an on-the-field standpoint, I got to go with Holton Allers. Obviously, this is a, he played Friday night ECU. I was too much of a coward to pick ECU to win the game outright. Um, I know my mom and dad are disappointed because they both graduated from ECU. But I'm going to go with him on the field. <laughs> oh, dude, come on. I've been – outside of UNC, I've been to more ECU football games than any other college football team. And yeah. I will say this. The other thing for me, my power went out today. And I'm just going to say cheers to the Duke power folks that got me in because it's we're, – we're recording now. It's 1120 almost. An hour ago, your boy was in the car going to a hotel to try to shoot the show. And then I got and I got back. So cheers. The Duke Power team. There they go. (laughs) Christian Hackenberg. Oh shoot. Um, you know, I got a couple I could go with. Uh, Go with them. We got time. I'm gonna mention this. I think I think Kansas State definitely deserves one the way they came out and oh, just yes. tromped Oklahoma State. That was just really fun to watch. Uh, it caught me off guard, I'm not going to lie, but they came out and laid an ass whipping on them boys. What's the um, last – honestly, what's the last Big 12 shutout? That may, uh, we'll throw that to – the producers yeah go ahead <laughs> but, the, but the but the big one that i do want to throw out is is uh marvin harrison jr Woo, and the yeah. reason that i want to give it out is because towards the end of that game you started seeing joey porter jr follow him around they got to see both of them go at it for a good portion but when 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 marvin became the guy that was really the only movement for ohio state during a period of time during this football game that we're going to talk about here in a little bit Joey Porter Jr. started following him around, who to me has become one of my favorite defensive prospects uh, in, in this in this class coming up. He's a stud the way he's built, intangibles, um, you know, gets a little grabby, but it was really fun to see two elite level uh, players at the college level duke it out similarly to something that you'd see on Sundays. Um, yeah. So I, I want to see that wanna, on Sundays. Without a doubt. And I really want to give a, a, a shout out to, to Marvin Harrison Jr. 10 was 10 receptions for like a buck 85 or something like that. Yeah. And he won. He wasn't doing it against no, 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 uh, no average Joe. So, yeah, I'll drink to that. Drink to that. No, no average Joe, Joey Porter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <I> so <laughs> Kids got arms that go all the way to the ground, man. Mm-hmm. Pulling his socks up, standing up. So I've got. One of my own. First of all, back to Coach Corso. He's back. He's healthy. It was good to see you today, sir. College game day at uh, Jackson State. Down at the HBCUs. Uh, Two of them, fellas. Two of them, quickly. Mine also goes that Ohio State-Penn State game to a defensive end. JT Tuamalu. I hope I'm saying that right, becomes one of three FBS players in the last 15 seasons 
to have two sacks, a fumble recovered, uh, a forced fumble, an interception, and a pick six in a single game. This is the freaky part about those upper echelon teams and people like, was Ohio State really that great? This man puts his hand in the ground the whole game. He's not in a two-point. He doesn't have 15 wristbands on, and he's not flying all over the field in the backfield. He's rushing up the field. Two sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, an interception, and he ends the game on a pick six. But our producer, Trevor Valise, sent even a, a more killer one. Hack, it goes back to your Kansas State deal um, regarding their, their beatdown here against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State today coming in ranked top 10 at nine. Watch this statistic right here. This is the, the last time an AP top 10 team uh, lost by 40-plus points in a shutout was when Cal defeated Syracuse. Number 11, Cal beat number 10, Syracuse, 43 to nothing, all the way back in 1968. Oh, hell. Historic beatdown. You're talking nearly 60 years oh. worth. No top 10 team has ever been beat like that since oh, 1968. Safe to say they will not remain in the top 10. That was our toast. <laughs> that was our toast uh, <laughs> today. Do, is it possible to go from top 10 to go out to others? Could they really get shuffled all the way? To the wilderness? To the To the wilderness? You go from you go from the castle to the, to the, to the wilderness. I don't know, man. You based on outside. your based on your last uh <laughs> your last review. Okay, let's go to the biggie. Number two, Ohio State traveled to State College today to go up against number 13, Penn State. Honestly, styles make fights. And and Penn State got knocked out, was it two weeks ago? They had a bye. Yeah. They had Michigan, a bye week, Ohio State. Set up pretty good. You're still sandwiched in between two monsters, but regardless. I thought they would come back, bouncing back better. Penn State, with the lead in the fourth quarter, they give up 28 points in the last six minutes. They get blown out 44-31. Strange game. If you if you to look at it on paper, it's gonna look strange. Penn State outgained the Buckeyes 482 to 452. They controlled the pace. They controlled both ends of the line of scrimmage for most of the game until the dam broke. Hack already gave it to you earlier. Marvin Harrison Jr. was the go-to. He had the cape flowing couple big third down and fourth down opportunities. The Buckeyes line up and go straight to him. He pays it off for him. Ohio State remains undefeated. Um, Felder, we're going to start with you because I, I, I know I can – Hack will take us out. <clears throat> Did Ohio State answer some questions today or was this just a, a monstrous drop on Penn State's part? I think they answered some questions. I think they answered some questions. It's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. But, but the, here's the thing. The, the, the reality for me, they're not where they want to be when it comes to running the football. Who is that? Who is that? Ohio State. Ohio State. Ohio State is not where they want to be running the football. They are not as tough as they want to be up front. And they spent, in my estimation, they probably spent 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Go ahead. Go ahead, Hack. 
What I will say though is, is unlike previous years, Ryan Day is at least showing a propensity to not to abandon it. The run, full correct. on, yes. just fuck it. You've seen Ryan Day do that in the past, where he's just the like Haskins oh. season. Yep. Here we go. Yep. We're, we're, yep. We're, we're we're two yards of carry. All right, screw it. We're dropping back fifty-five Bingo. times. Correct. Still doing it. I think that was very valuable today, and I didn't want to cut you off, but I think that's what you were nope. probably getting from it. You 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 hit the nail on the head. I don't have to say it anymore. They like they they did work on it, and then obviously when Mayan Williams gets hurt, they they're like we got to go with Henderson, and they had they they're for, they're doing something that we've seen Alabama do a lot of times, which is this is the thing that we're working on today, and yes. this is the thing that we're going to do, and then when they get to that point when you get to the fourth quarter and it's a one score game, and you're like okay. We got to do the thing that works so that we can make sure that we win this game because we ultimately have bigger goals than just figuring this out. And I want to—I'll just say this: I—I I think that um, the most beautiful part of this game for me, and I know Penn State lost, and you, you lose by thirteen, and I understand. But the reality for me is watching the way they use Parker Washington to isolate him as the number three receiver instead of. He's their leading receiver. In theory, he should be number one, right? Like on the outside. Maybe he could be number two in the slot. But they played him as the number three guy a lot, which means he which which means he got ISO'd on safeties and linebackers. And that little circle route, that little angle route, that bang, like he's that little snag, that that little like it's like a whip. Like the, he's doing all these things, and he's doing it to people that can't cover him. And it's not fair to them, but it's a great schematic situation. This is a guy, listen, we can talk about Marvin Harrison, 10 catches for 185. Parker Washington, 11 catches for 179 yards. And so what we've seen is an Ohio State defense that has been rebuilt, that is aggressive, that is tough. But when you're playing cover zero and that number three guy is the other team's number one guy, you're gonna have problems with that, and I don't think Ohio State figured out how to adjust. So that's something that Jim Knowles is gonna have to address. I don't know who else can hurt him that way. Maybe until they get to the playoff, but that is something that will—it's uh, on film now. You know it, what I'm saying, Hack? It's yeah, on, no, I, I see it. Go ahead, Hack. It's on. No question, it's on film. They're gonna have to make their adjustments to to Felder's point, and that's a an acute point from a macro level. Ohio State, like um, my daughter and I love watching those like memes and YouTube things where people are messing around by the cage and they're leaning up against like a, like, you know, some kind of animal reserve or something. And that lion or that gorilla grabs them. Like, what are you doing up there anyway? Every time you turn the ball over against the Buckeyes, they charge you for it. It's not like they give it back to you. It, they, they tax you for it. Four turnovers today. The turnover margin between the two teams, four to nothing. And Penn yeah. State outgained them, and then they out they out um, outclocked them, outrushed them. Ohio State only had twenty six carries, but that's still some dedication. Ninety eight yards, three and a half yards a carry, but they tax you. They're versatile on offense, and they they attack you, and they tax you on defense for mistakes made. So they're good enough to beat you if you're on your best game. And they're definitely going to get you if you start just throwing the ball around and just and just being loose with it. Hack, it, to me, they continue to answer more questions and they show in resolve. And a 28-0 spurt in the last six minutes of the game 
from all three phases to run this game out and say, good, mm-hmm. finally. It's that horse with the last – what's that? The, the breakaway <laughs> stretch in the dirt? Yeah. Gone. See you. Gone. All we were doing. It's good that you stayed with us for this long, but we're out. Like, they – play all four quarters they don't get bored and they're 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 it's a dangerous team it's a dangerous no doubt. team no doubt Felder did you have something you wanted to get at yeah I was gonna say this I thought CJ Stroud was bad for 75 percent of the game I wouldn't say bad he wasn't as yeah. CJ Stroud as he normally was in in my opinion he missed a couple uh missed and some. they dropped a couple the fumbles the batted balls but that the Penn fumble- State the, and the fumble the, is something that has the the fumble. That's that's two in a row. You are talking about in the red zone, the sack? Uh, no. Uh, well, so okay, I've got a couple things, and I want to get both of you guys. You guys are both. You guys know more about quarterback play than I do. But I got two things. One, the fumble because it looked very similar to the fumble that he had against Iowa. The Iowa fumble obviously led to the touchdown for Iowa, but this one led to a strip sack that ultimately was another turnover. But the other thing for me, and he he it seemed to course correct after halftime and especially later in the game, but the way that he gives ground with pressure, oh, yeah, instead of stepping up, instead of moving in, instead of using some of that athleticism that we've seen him have, I I I don't know I don't know how you fix that, honestly. Well so honestly I'm asking you guys who know way more because he gives not, so much ground. He's not a great athlete. I think he's like a good athlete, whatever the good line is, his feet are just on the other side of a good athlete. And he's not in those positions that often. Sure. And they got so much stuff rolling. I don't think that part of his game, which yeah, a really good defense like Georgia could press that out. I I just think it only happens in flashes. I don't think it's enough of a, of a, it, it sample just doesn't size. have enough it, of an occurrence. Yeah, it's not a big enough. He doesn't, size. Yeah, but I do agree with you, Felder. Like, I think if he learned how to move up in the pocket and press the defense that in that in that manner, as opposed to trying to capture edges all day long, he'd see a lot. He'd see. I think he'd find more completions without having to take hits from that way, and I think right. he'd also find more lanes where he can get down, go get six, seven, eight yards, get down, and keep it moving. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I was impressed with the way CJ played. I thought he he answered the bell uh, in some bigger moments. He just didn't have yeah. that. There wasn't there wasn't like that sexy, flashy, like consistent four quarters of just. Dot, dot, wire, dot. Right. I think there it wasn't was wire there, to wire. There was this, but ultimately, like when when they needed him, I thought I thought he answered the bell. Absolutely, absolutely agree. I think he. I mean, his game shot up. When they needed him, and you could see it when he was there on the sidelines, and he was like, "Okay, we're gonna do 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 do." Yeah, and they showed yeah. that hero shot of him, and then he came in, and guess what they did? Boom, 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 boom. So, Penn State guy, give me give me your read on the game. Well, so for me, I thought that I thought Penn State matched up better against Ohio State than they did against the Michigan team from a personnel standpoint, the way they were built. George, you and I talked about this a little bit today, and I've I've talked about this at length with Josh Perry. If you guys want to sure. want to listen into that, because he brings a really unique perspective as an Ohio State guy as well. But I think Penn State has gone more to like trying to match up with the East West. Longer, freakier, smaller, more athletic guys that can run sideline to sideline and not really built for a team that's going to say, hey, we got, we're got we 320, 325 across the board. We're coming this way. They're, they're, yep. they're, they're playing, the, they're playing the, the, the up and down NBA style 
run and gun yeah. type basketball game. That's what that's how Penn State's playing defensively. That's how they built their team. That's how they built their roster. Um, at the end of the day, George, I think what you were getting at is I think Ohio State has shown, and I don't think Ohio State's anywhere near where they need to be offensively in terms of consistent execution at this point in time in the season to talk about national championship and things like that. Do they have the potential? 1,000%. Something we still haven't talked about is we haven't seen Jackson Smith and Jigba since, like, the first half of the nope. freaking Notre Dame right. game this nope. year. So, like, you add this guy to the way that Marvin Harrison Jr. has started to emerge and, and a few of the other guys they have, like, you're talking about a completely different ball game, in my opinion. But, like I said, I'll, I'll shelf that for right now. Um, Ohio State defensively is – Leaps and bounds better than they were last year. They're a much mm-hmm. more complete football team, both mm-hmm. sides yes. of the football, all three phases. And I think, George, what Ohio State has that Michigan doesn't necessarily have is they can play from behind. They have right. that press you offensively where we're showing a propensity to run the football. We're not where we need to be, but we've shown flashes. We've had games where we've ran it up people's asses. We've had games where we've had to kind of take our lumps, go for three yards a pop and have everybody else start making plays for us, whether that be defensively or our receivers. They're showing a propensity and a growth in the right direction for me. And I think that they're a team that has a lot going for them and they just are figuring out ways how to make it all come together. And that's the beauty of it is they they got yeah. time to do it and they're still winning football games by doing it. So uh, I think we still have to, a lot to see out of this Ohio State team. And then Penn State, you know, like I said, I think they fought. Um, I just think it ultimately came down to you were running against a bigger, faster, stronger horse. Um, you kept up for as long as you could, but sometimes shit happens. I think there's some decisions some things like that yeah. that happen throughout the game that momentum swings, whatever, but – at the end of the day, I just think they got outlasted. Before we move, that so this is setting up to be one of the great all-time clashes. Michigan, Ohio State with Michigan coming in with the last win. Both going to be undefeated. It feels like the fate of the world is going to be there. And there's a realistic chance both could squeeze on into the finals, into the playoffs, no matter how the ending is, provided that it's close. So let me ask you both this real quick because we're going to jump on next to the uh, uh, to Jurassic Park here, the SEC. You have more faith in Ohio State's ability to run it when needed or Michigan's ability to pass it when needed? I, I, I have more faith in Ohio State's ability to run it when needed. Hack. Yeah, I'll second that at, the, at, at this moment. Um, and again, for all these Michigan fans that take shit too damn sensitively, it has nothing to do with J.J. McCarthy. I think he's a very, very talented yeah. player. Right. He's it's coming just from not a big what they're guy. doing. It's right. just not what they're doing. And I they're don't not think built. he's got – Exactly, George. And I think they got they got Ronnie Bell. I think they got a really good tight end room that's a little banged up right now. I just don't know if they have the horses around him to consistently put him in situations to be successful throwing the football. Yeah, I'll say yeah. the same thing I've said about Georgia. I don't know if they want to use the horses that they have. Who Georgia, Michigan? Oh, like oh, I've, oh, I've Michigan. said it, I've said this about I said it about Georgia a year ago, and I'll say I'll say I don't know if they want to use the guys they have. I don't know they don't want to do they want to throw the ball to Angel Anthony, who seems like I think probably the best receiver in that room. Mm-hmm. No disrespect That's... to Ronnie Bell, I just think he's probably a little more explosive. He just doesn't get the ball. They trust Ronnie Bell. It is going to be fr- it yes, is going to be about, fascinating. It's about oh, trust. It's Ohio about that State, trust. but Ohio State. In a four-minute 
we got to choke these guys out. We got to run the ball. We just got to choke them out and get this thing done versus Michigan. Okay, we're down two scores. They're going to drop seven, drop eight. Corum, we love you, but we're going to have to go bigger than that. Like, we're, like it's going to be fascinating. That's the, Those two are going to have to shore that up. And I agree with both of you. Michigan is going to have to exercise theirs more because Ohio State feels like they've been doing that. That is the Big Ten's two heavyweight battles. Michigan getting a big knockout when Ohio State going on the road in a 12th round flurry. They knock out Penn State down to the SEC. Jurassic Park to us. We got to watch number three, Tennessee, go up against number 19, Kentucky. And then we got a chance to watch the biggest cocktail bowl or however they call that, Georgia, Florida with the number one Bulldogs. Um, fellas, let's start with Tennessee because that one just seemed to have a little bit more of a, of a definitive um, finish. Tennessee against a gnarly Kentucky team, and nobody loves the Wildcats more than we do. Kentucky, that's the, the worst beating they had all year, and they've been battling teams, 44-6. to six. Uh, It wasn't even close. Will Levis, former Penn Stater, hack you probably hosted him on his recruiting trip. I might have. Held, held <laughs> to 90, 98 yards passing. Tennessee is starting to flex a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. All of the headlines have been on offense, and rightfully so, but they also have been playing some complimentary football. And most teams, one side is going to hear a little bit more noise than the other. 44 to 6, the fighting Josh Heupels, big time knockout over Kentucky. Flip it over to Georgia, 42 to 20 over a game Florida team. Uh, but the Bulldogs, 555 total yards of offense today. And pretty balanced, 315 in the air, 240 on the ground. Uh, what was the more impressive win, Tennessee or Georgia? Felder, we'll go with you first. I mean, it's Tennessee, right? They played a ranked opponent. We know that Florida is not good. Florida, Florida's a team that is struggling. As you, as you, as Hack said, they're in the wilderness right now. I would put them in the wilderness. I, I wouldn't, put, yeah, I wouldn't even do that either. They're four I, and for, three. For what? For what Florida four, four wants to today. For what Florida wants to be? Well, but again, under new under new management, they got that big banner outside the store. Under new, <laughs> under it's also new perspective too. I I don't think they're that far off, man. They right. it's not I like think, they don't have players. It's just it, it's well, see, it's part of that process. That's right. a good. I I love I love that you said that because the big thing for me, out you take Richardson away, and what scares you on that team oh, offensively? Man. They, they, yeah, they're mortal. They're beyond. They're a pedestrian, to be honest. I like ATN. I think Johnson's good, but like, what scares you on that team offensively if Richardson's not at quarterback? Well, would you learn more today, Felder? Uh, yes, Georgia took care of business, but I mean, five hundred fifty-five yards. They're playing more definitive football. That the, the, the yes. days of messing around with Kent State in the fourth quarter, sneaking out of Missouri. Well, they, they had to climb the fence to get out of there against Missouri. Big knockout today, and then Tennessee going wild against a Georgia light team. I, that, that to me, that's that's what Kentucky is. They're like diet Georgia. They're diet I gotta put Georgia. I gotta put things in silos. So when it comes to, to to Georgia, Georgia they scored forty points because they could. It was easy. 
because Florida is not Florida is not very good, and we saw Florida make a few plays, but Florida, I don't, I I think Florida is a, they are a middling football team, and I don't say I, so. You know what? I take I take back saying that they're bad. They are middling. They're going to be a team that is six and six or seven and five, and that's what they're going to be, middling. That's mm-hmm. fine. I think that that's a fair assessment of that of that ball club. So Georgia did that because they 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 because they, they could not because they wanted to. And by the way, the way they used Darnell Washington split out, injected into my veins. <laughs> the guy who's the same size as LeBron James just out there playing like, yeah, do that, do that more, do more of that. That's what I was getting at when I said, are they going to use all their weapons? But they did, and I love it. Um, but for me, with Tennessee, uh, I think we learned a lot about Kentucky. We learned that Kentucky, you can't just be Chris Rodriguez and have that be what sh- that all that you did. That can't be the, the thing. And this goes back to my whole entire theory that we talked about earlier in the show. Do you want to be a team that scores 20 or a team that scores 40? And Tennessee wants to score 40 every game. Georgia scored 40 because they could. Tennessee wants to score 40 every game because I truly believe if if Georgia got up on Kentucky 24 to 6, they pump the brakes, they play good defense, they win that game 24 to 6, maybe yeah, 30 they, to 6. And they get everybody involved. Yeah. I like this point, Hack. But to me, the story with Tennessee it isn't the 44. Like it's the six. Can, it's the it's the six. Yep. Yeah. It's the six against the squad led by a veteran quarterback that's had success that can get it up and down the field multiple ways. Well, what do you think thing. about their defense? What, Tennessee's? Yeah. Well, I mean, heading into this game, they were from a pass defense <laughs> standpoint, you know, and they were risking it all, too. I mean, there was a couple times in that Alabama game when you're sitting there, you're like, damn, these motherfuckers really going zero right now? Bryce Young, yeah. quarterback? Yeah. Like, you're like, you're like, really? Um, a lot of yoga vibes with that defense. A lot of bending. Hey. That defense is so <laughs> bendy. I was like, I'm oh, man. But they, Let's just but, get I mean, the ball even, back. Even going back, like, early in the year to this pit, the pit game, like, this defense, yep. man, was really trying to figure out an identity. And, again, Felder, like, I, I don't think it's, like, necessarily talking about um, – names and recognition but i think when you talk about the ability and what you can attract at that roster like a place like tennessee does not struggle with getting talent to tennessee um so i think defensively they're just trying to figure out who they were and i completely agree with you george i think that's six shit man that's the biggest that's the biggest step in the right direction for this tennessee team because if they start playing confidently on defense Yes, they already played complimentary to the offense, but right. I think it was more so they were feeding off of the offense's momentum and Good drive. Enough. And they were like, all right, cool, man. If we just we hold them, we hold them to 38 like we're good. Yep. But now, if you start getting a defense that is cocky enough and confident enough to say, no, nah, no, nah, nah, fuck that. They ain't getting to 21 today. If they don't get to 21, they don't got a prayer. When yeah. when Tennessee starts turning that corner, which I think they're doing against a really good Tennessee team, and again, you got a kid who's projected to be a top ten draft pick yeah. over there pulling the trigger. Granted, back banged up a little bit. Sure, you, you hold them to ninety eight yards, sixteen completions, and you you turned them over three times. That's a big step in the right direction for me, and I think it's only you know obviously next week's a big test, but I think that they they did all they could to prepare themselves both physically, mentally. And emotionally heading into the fucking heading into yeah. Athens uh, next yeah, week. 
they certainly did not overlook this Kentucky game, as many people suggested. Felder, mm-hmm. uh, the schedules, here's how they line up right now. Tennessee, mm-hmm. they got the biggest <coughs> one. They, this is, and I know we talked about that Alabama game is the biggest home game maybe in the last 20. This is the biggest road game maybe in the last 20, 30. They're at Georgia next week, mm-hmm. three at one. After that, home against Missouri, then they see South Carolina, and then Vanderbilt. What a reward. What a reward. In a sense, Georgia finishes the year. They host Tennessee. On the road at a Mississippi State that can get gnarly. Then they go on the road at Diet Georgia at Kentucky. And then they got their in-state rival, Georgia Tech. Tennessee's road is obviously, it's a flat, Real smooth, nicely paved, well-lit deal once you come out of Athens. No matter what happens in Athens, you're going to be well taken care of. If these two teams play close ball Uh over time, we get treated to a a classic. Field goals difference, extra points worth the difference. And they're both undefeated. Should the loser still merit consideration? for one of those four final spots. Sure, of course. It, it, they'll be there. It, it, like it's it's you're going to be in consideration. It's going to be about everybody else. So cuz you won't have to of, go see Alabama hack. Honestly, well you're going to have to see Alabama at some point. No, uh, I mean, them, now if 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 Tennessee loses next week to Georgia. It's 38-37. Sure. You already let the world know we're toe to toe with them if it ain't for this, you know, this one kick this one specialty. Okay. Georgia then goes on to play Alabama to settle it in the SEC. And we stand over here. We may not be the groom, but we're the best man. And who sure. else is better than us as the best man out there? That's the, that's and the, the best argument man that got that as well, too. Say and it again. Best man, I said, and the best man also got that as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> they got Bama's ass. So, <laughs> hey, so, so the best man sitting there going, yeah. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> I don't know. You make a good point, Felder. Is no, there? I think we've. I've, this is we've talked about this before. This has been talked. I've done it on other shows. We've talked about this a ton. Like the reality of it is, is if it, if it ends up being this kind of round robin situation where Tennessee loses to Georgia close, Georgia uh, loses to Alabama close, and then we got these three all sitting there right there, and Alabama's a champion, and then Georgia and Tennessee, you're looking at what are we? What are we going to do? Ohio State's the only sure thing that's getting in. And then the problem is not which of those three gets in or who gets left out. The problem becomes if you're Clemson, if you're TCU, if you're Oregon, if you're any of these other teams, that becomes the problem. It's not like those teams are going to – if you're Michigan. I, well, I think it's more so – I think it's more so Tennessee – or uh, Clemson and TCU at this mo- point in time because yeah, at the end of the day, Oregon's got, Oregon's got a loss. At the end yeah. of the day, right. Oregon's got a loss. Those are the first two. If Clemson and TCU, though, run the table, and to your point, you haven't even mentioned Michigan. It's going to be Michigan or Ohio State out of Big Ten, obviously. Right. Um, But take that aside. If you got to start picking between do we take a one-loss team or an undefeated team, that's going to be impressive, even if it's a more impressive one-loss team. And that's where we're going to see the balls of the college football playoff committee. In yep. my opinion, what type what type of stones they got? Because that's yeah. that's I mean, 
that's a tough thing to say. Hey, yeah, that's cute. Congratulations, Clemson, from rising from the ashes last year, going undefeated, winning the ACC. But better luck next year, guys. Good luck in the fucking Peach Bowl. Like, and what are we doing? Last here? Saturday, you read about that Peach Bowl deal. Last Saturday, I reached out to a senior, senior member of the media, well, highly lauded, who's in a lot of those meetings in the college football committee. And I said, is it going to be four best or is it going to be the resumes? And he said, they're going to wind up going four best. He said, when all the smoke clears and the battles get fought and all the rest of that stuff, he goes, they are going to move four best. Now, hopefully the season will play itself out. Can TCU and Clemson just make this run? And we're going to go into TCU here in a second. But if they lose either one of them, then anything can happen. Get out. Uh, yeah, you're right. Honestly, yeah, you're right. All that the, the thing that's going to happen is they're going to be out because your loss in this neighborhood is not going to match up with what's happening in the Big Ten or down in Jurassic Park. It's just I cannot wait for these last couple of weeks. Speaking I know, of, I know we got to, I know we got to get to TCU, but the big yep. here's the thing that I'll say: we have to remember that this is an agreement between six guys, right? Yep. The SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and then Swarbrick at Notre Ooh. Dame. Oh, yeah. Jack Swarbrick at Notre yep. Dame. Yep, yep. Six commissioners. None of them will That's allow. That's you call him a commissioner. Huh? None of them. Well, he he's the AD, but the, the rest of the other five are commissioners. And none of them will allow an undefeated team from their league to be passed over. And that's the part that I think about all the time because this is still a gentleman's agreement. And the biggest thing that we have to remember is they want to make sure. It, this is one of those things. Of, it's not just that the enemy and my enemy is my friend. It's the idea that if they could hurt them with this, then they could hurt me with that. And it's the idea that maybe there's a year that the SEC has a champ that's not very good, but they still went undefeated and all of a sudden – you're gonna put the Big Ten team in over me that we can. Yeah, but no, this is the last. The we gotta go. This is the I last understand. battle, Felder. This is the last, the last year we battle. But yeah. it's after I'm this, all we, we go. Go ahead. All I'm saying is that the idea, the rules that the the the, the, the gentleman rules. I don't. know. You guys know about parlay. I don't know if you guys are pirate yeah. guys or not. Yeah. Like they, like they watch, have this. I watch like, Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. <laughs> I ain't going front. I I nodded my head. I don't know shit about parlay, but go ahead. I, it's it's when you it's when you accept peace so that you guys can have a discussion and you know one's going to kill each other. And I think that's what I think for them. They're not gonna they're not gonna cut out an undefeated champ. I just don't I I I don't think they're gonna do. Well, it. but here's think, what they have to done. To Christian's point, I don't think they have the the balls. I don't think they have the balls yeah. to do that. They won't cut out an undefeated champ, but a one loss non-conference champ Alabama's made the playoffs before and a couple other teams have done that without winning that without winning their sure. conference have made it on and over other how many undefeated teams. power five champs have been left out ever yeah and I don't that's think... going to be that's going to be the point as we roll into this last chapter here this last couple rounds um of, of today's discussion basically we've gone three of the biggest conferences the big 10 the sec and now if you're just joining us, the Big 12, Field of 12 After Dark, um, thank you for rolling with us. TCU, all hopes and dreams of the Big 12 right now. 
reside in Fort Worth. Sunny Dykes team, again, they come through on their end, 41-31. And on the other side of this thing, we already mentioned this at the top of the break here, um, the biggest loss by a top 10 ranked team since 1968, Kansas State took it to Oklahoma <laughs> State, 48-0. With a backup quarterback. A, with a backup quarterback throwing the most beautiful knuckleballs you ever did see. My man Howard, congratulations, sir. Outgaining Oklahoma State 49 or 495 to 217. When's the last time you saw an Oklahoma State team muster up barely 200 yards for a game? For a game. And I'm still I, wondering when the last time there was a shutout in the Big 12. TCU is obviously the story. They're ranked uh, at number seven, and they're undefeated, and they're making this charge. But the historicness of K-State and Oklahoma State, like K-State also did this to the, to Oklahoma. Yeah. Like there's, there's something going on there with them in the state of Oklahoma right now. They beat out both of them. Hack, what was your impression or either of both of those games? Uh, really impressed with TCU. Um, they 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 kind of battled back there. JT Daniels and those fighting Mountaineers uh, gave them hell for a little bit. Yeah. Um, impressive to see TCU show the grit and ability to overcome some early adversity uh, and win a game in a fashion when they were expected to win and all those things. It's just good for overall program development to me. And I, I tip of the cap to that side of 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 the equation for them up there, but. Yeah, I mean, talking about the Kansas State-Oklahoma State game, man, like there was points of time where watching Oklahoma State play was just really, really damn painful. Um, <laughs> it was, man. It was it, – it, and it, you felt bad, dude. It, like it was yeah. one of those things where when it rained, it poured, and it just – when you were watching Oklahoma State, it just didn't even look like they could – they couldn't even walk, man. They couldn't – they couldn't put yeah. one foot in front of the other. And you're like, damn. And it was just one of those crazy things that I think you very rarely get to see and witness. And like, I guess I'm kind of fucked up and demented in that in that sense where I'm sitting there watching it like, damn, dude, these guys are struggling. And I'm watching them go through this right now and the way they're reacting and how they're trying to do it. And, you know, the way Kansas State's taking advantage of it. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just really think that uh, – it's unfortunate for Oklahoma State that they had a day like that today. I'm sure there's there's a lot of beer being drank, a lot of kegs being kicked in, in Stillwater <laughs> tonight. Um, and if there's not, there better be. Um, I'll figure out a way to arrange that. Um, but, you know, I think TCU really did a good job as well. Going back to the, to the, to the beginning of the question, George, talking about both teams. I thought TCU did a great job answering the bell and then, you know, just – I, I nerded out over the Oklahoma State, Kansas State game and, and the pain and misery of it. Man, yeah. Great for K-State. Felder, I'm going to start with you and then hack I want you. Well, really, I'm just going to open this. This is where we're at. And we've been talking about this and talking about this and talking about this. Pac-12 is effectively done unless all kind of losses start hitting. And even if other teams have sure. one loss, it's tough for the Pac-12 one-loss champ to overcome. Unless it's Oregon. Else. Unless it's Oregon. I, I do give you that. So here's the lineup. Watch this. TCU. Next week, Texas Tech at home. At Texas. At Baylor. Home against Iowa State. Clemson. 
the last four games for them at Notre Dame, who knocked out Syracuse today. Big win mm-hmm. for Notre Dame. I mean, offense has been on a missing persons report all season, and they found <laughs> some. All right. Then they host Louisville. So Clemson goes at Notre Dame, who had a big win today. Host Louisville, who had a big win today, beat Wake Forest, a top 10 team. Then they get Miami, who whew, here comes Miami, right? Pat, you want to talk about, you want to talk you want to talk about a painful game to watch, Hack? Oh, uh, that the game. Miami Virginia four game. overtimes with, with no touchdowns. No twenty six points. Oh, twenty six points total in that game. <laughs> four overtimes. Twelve. Yeah. So at Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, South Carolina, TCU. Can let's just I mean let's start with these guys. Can they run this out? As wild as the Big Twelve is, do they have the tenacity? Texas Tech in Austin to play Texas in Waco to play Baylor home against Iowa State. Hack, what do you give their chances to run this out? Mm. We're not even at the Big Twelve championship game yet. Just know, to run man. out the normal the normal schedule business. Can they get through it? Yeah, it's hard. Like, like my gut tells me I want to say I trust Clemson to, to to run it out more than I do TCU right now, just looking at their schedule. Um, could be some historical bias in that decision. But sure. um, can TCU do it? I mean, it's hard to say that a team that's undefeated right now can't do any damn thing. It's ignorant as shit to make that statement. So I'm not going to make that statement. But what I will say is – um, you know, an unpredictable beast like Texas. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. You don't Another, know. Go you ahead. don't know that you don't know if Bebo's coming out that bitch or fucking little Bebo. Or if he's you sweet. Yeah, or if, yeah. You don't know if he's charging or if he's over there just having a shit. Oh, you don't know. It's it's it, it like they're just they're so unpredictable. Um. You know, I think Baylor's another one that could give you fits in the right situation defensively, and they get a little magic going on offense. We'll see what happens. They got to get creative on that side of the ball to bring anything yeah. up, it seems, this year. But, um, you know, at least defensively, they're going to play hard. And, and, you know, your boy, your boy, uh, Campbell up there at Iowa State, you never know as well. So there's, there's yeah. a lot of just unpredictability in, in, in that conference and that, the end of that schedule right there. And I, I completely ignored Texas Tech, who, similarly can go out and beat somebody and they already beat texas and, so you lean yeah. clemson you lean clemson i'm leaning clemson but it's hard because that's the other thing is like i don't know if i could trust clemson either it's not the clemson of old and it's 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 fucking what are they gonna do a quarterback week Felder, uh, that's what i was uh, gonna ask you michael uh, yeah. the instability <laughs> the instability at the tip of the spear they're yeah. trying to figure out Huddle rotations this week. They'll settle it. They'll find somehow, some way. But of all the heavyweights right now, no one else has a question about their quarterback situation. Right. Healthy. Felder, one more time for you. TCU, Texas Tech at Texas at Baylor. Iowa State at home. Spoiler alert. Clemson, they go into South Bend next week. Louisville, Miami, South Carolina. Will they both do it? Will one of them do it? Like, how do you feel here with it? I think they both will probably do it. I think the the question becomes, what does it look like? For Clemson, I think it's going to be grimy. They're going to play those close games. We saw them play that against Wake. We saw them play it against Syracuse. 
it's they're going to continue to play. That's the way that they play. They play. But do they have game. enough of that? You could do that against Syracuse because, like Hack already said earlier, who else do they play? You got that? a Who's better who? horse than Syracuse. You don't have. Do, they, do you have a better horse than Notre Dame? Yes, absolutely. I, well, you have a, you might have a better couple skilled players. Notre Dame has. I depth. don't think they. I don't think they have better skill players. I think they've got a better defensive line. They've got better linebackers, and they got a better defense in general. I think that's the difference. I don't think skill clumps of skill players, with the exception of Will Shipley, I don't think that they're anything to write home about. There's a reason they don't have anyone that that averages four catches a game. Well, here's that's why that's this. why I'd be afraid to play Cade Clubnick. Yeah. Well, to answer your quarterback question, okay, I, I that's fair. That's I would fair, not but... play that kid right now. I, I'd roll with DJ. Have have Cade, you know. Let it let the right. nuts hang, kid. Hey, your turn. We need some momentum. Get in there. Freaking run Good around heck. for a little bit. I'd be afraid. And I'd, I'd be call some inverted ball. beer and QB power because he has yeah. buildup speed. Instead yeah. of trying to run these quick little zone re you can't call the same plays that you had for Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence, two guys that were naturally quick. You can't call those plays. He needs uh, plays that you call DJ, for a bigger guy. He's not even an SUV. This dude's an 18-wheeler. The, the thing I fear, Clemson can't do what they did against Syracuse, fall down 21-10. Oh, yeah, no. And come roaring oh. back against Notre Dame, you can cancel that. They might that not coaching, even do that against Louisville, dude. And you're not going to do that against Louisville either. No, that, mean, those goodness. coaching staffs will not allow such things. They will shut all that shit off. You will have to outplay them in the moment. All this stuff about, well, we'll just throw a lasso and catch them. You're not catching those guys if you let those guys jump mm -hmm. up there like that. Because well, they, they don't have anybody to throw to, to catch the lasso. They, they can't throw it. Like, that's that's the problem. But to respect to TCU, TCU can get down by 21 yes, and then find can. a way to yes, get back into it because they're incredibly explosive. Tay Barber, Savion Williams. I talked to uh, Brian Estridge, who's their play-by-play uh, -play guy on the radio, and he was like, where everyone talks about Quentin Johnson. Quentin Johnson was their third leading receiver tonight, today, because Tay Barber and Samuel Williams had these huge catches. And I think Quentin Johnson is probably wide receiver number one for the NFL draft. So, and I know we only got a little bit of time left and we want to kind of talk a little bit of Pac 12, but the answer for me is I think both of them finish undefeated. Then the question becomes, what poison do you want to pick? Do you want to, do you want to go with the devil that you know, which is Clemson? And we know they're going to play good defense, or do you want to go with this unknown and a team that's not as big of a brand in TCU? <laughs> well, uh, speaking of the Pac-12, Oregon took care of business today, 42-24. Sure. And the rest, you guys can honestly look up. We just got you through all the heavyweights. We'll be with you again. Roll with us this week. Everybody is talking football Monday through Thursday. You'll see us again on Saturday. Field of 12 after dark. Michael Felder, Christian Hackenberg, George Woodfield.